Welcome to the One Size Does Not Fit All podcast. I'm Kat Vitu, the founder of the World Life Tribe, and I co-host this show with the lovely Liberty. And together we meet the most inspiring people that are here to give you tools to live a life where you will thrive. Bon Raw makes it easy for you to sweeten naturally with minimum effort and zero compromise with their delicious range of raw and unrefined organic sugars. Bon Raw is better for you and the planet. Find Bon Raw's silver birch, panela and coconut blossom at Waitrose. Hi and welcome to One Size Does Not Fit All with me Liberty and hi Kat. Hi Liberty. How are you? I'm, and yeah I'm good, it's nice and sunny um, and I'm feeling very proud of myself at the moment. <laughs> I know you did something crazy at the weekend didn't you? But it's not crazy because bloody tons of people are doing it and I've been talking about it for such a long time I was like right I, I got up on the Sunday morning and I was like right that's it everybody I'm going to I'm going to the pond and I'm going to get going swimming it and everybody was like what are you talking about um, and then I just got up because uh, actually uh, somebody from the wildlife tribe panel Laura has been flashing pictures off since January about how she does cold water swimming and I've always fancied it because I watched that Ita Man program on Netflix because, of course, Netflix runs my life in lockdown. And um, and then I was like, "That's it, I'm going." And I, uh, amateur that I am, set off with my <laughs> swimming costume and a towel um, with my daughter who was all in a wetsuit. And then we got down there, and I was like really intimidated because about thirty of the people were down there in dry robes and hats and gloves and shoes. And I was like, oh my god! I literally stepped outside the front door <laughs> and then um I was like that's it by breathing exercises and then I got in and I was in there for about 20 minutes and I that's was so red when I came out but I loved it and actually there was this such nice woman who was like it's okay this is only my fifth time just get in and I was like okay okay and then I kind of got in and she was just like um just now dunk yourself I was like ah. she was like no just get in fully get in and I just dunked and I just started swimming and then I think you go from like numbness because it's absolutely freezing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I could do this. I could do this. <laughs> um, and it was really good. And then afterwards, I felt really, really, really good. If not, absolutely bright red. Um, and a little like with my towel, having to get my daughter sort of to hide me because everybody else getting changed in their posh robes. <laughs> me with my regular beach towel just going, oh. But it was so good. I'm slightly addicted. I'm going back again because I really love it. Have you got yourself a dry robe? I got myself a dry robe now. I passed the first test. <laughs> I didn't have full dry robe. That's like 150 quid. I need to be 10 into it to get a big one. So I went, I'm going five into it and getting the spring summer one because it was 45 quid. Oh my gosh. Worth it though. Yeah. Um couldn't have convinced my husband to go but my son then in the afternoon because we'd done it he was like right I want to go so he's worse than me he would have got his trunks on we drove back down there and he just jumped in I was like what is going on? oh my gosh so three out of four of us no and the dog did it as well Margot she was in um, Margot went in Margot was in so it was like me two kids and a dog it was like <gasps> family event um, yeah, so I feel really proud of that actually. So yes, I had a very good weekend. Oh, that's amazing. I did I I've got some friends, obviously I went to school near you, and I've still got lots of friends who live near you who are addicted to it. 
they go all the time and they're always posting on Facebook that they've been. And yeah, they're just totally addicted. And I think it becomes a bit like competitive with yourself, like the worse the weather, the more you are forcing <laughs> yeah. yourself to go in. It's like lightning. Shall I go in? Yeah, I'm going to go in. But um, yeah, it's super invigorating, isn't it? You won't catch me yeah. doing it. I, I was... I felt really good, like all day. I was on such a high, really proud of myself. Just like Rich was like, oh, "Okay, you shut up now. You're boring." <laughs> I was like, hey, "Look at me and everybody else." Fake. I was like, I, "I went for a cold dip today," <laughs> and I was just like, "No," but I, it was good. I feel like you have to do new things, don't you? And I'm quite like that. I like to try what I can try. And actually, it was really good to do it with the kids. Um, yeah. Um, I thought, you know, they got in. Marnie got in with a wet suit, but Max just full on went. <laughs> just preparing Love for him. Oh, oh. Like, you not think you need? No, okay, just get in then. So yeah. Oh, bless him. But yeah, yeah. So that's kind of been the highlight. And then obviously we're on an anniversary today of being in lockdown. One year. Yeah. One year. Bond Who'd have thought? Months. Yeah. Absolutely um, mad. And I remember the first one just being crazy because everybody was quite frightened, weren't they? Do you know what I mean? Um, everybody was running for the bog roll. Nobody wanted to go out. Everybody was scared to to do anything. You had all those pictures of supermarket lines. You know, if you think back to the first one, it was actually really, really bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It feels so long ago. Um, but it was like a mass panic. I remember being at your house and we were working and I remember um, um, Fiona was on the phone and she, her husband works in London and you remember she was like, right, London's shutting down. I think it's time. This is like a few days before we actually got locked down. But I remember thinking, this is never going to happen. And now, a year later, and I mean, it, it, it all actually did happen and worse. But you just, you just... It's just crazy that it all it, it just went crazy. It's so mad what, how much has happened in yeah. The roads being so quiet though. There was yeah. not a car on the road. I thought, God, all all the animals must love this because there's nobody trying to like run them all over. You know, like yeah. it's like God. It's so it's so strange, isn't it? And then everything yeah. went strange. And actually, if you compare it to this lockdown, you know, now people are just getting bored. You see. You pretty much see cars about all the time, don't you? And everybody, you know, yeah. vaccine now, one year later, it's come on a lot. You know, there's lots of really sad stories. Obviously, people lost their lives. Um, yeah. And we're not out of this yet, but it's n in no way, I don't think, the way the fear kind of captivated all of us in the first one, that hasn't, that isn't so, so much in this one. No, it's nowhere near as intense. And I went out yesterday, actually. I went on a really long walk and uh, there were like a million grannies down on the green sitting on deck chairs, like having coffees and stuff. Like you just think that they were they were nowhere to be seen a few months ago. You know, it was like, oh, protect yourself if you're over 70. And now they're like, yeah, we've got a jab on board and we're uh, chilling with our homies, having a coffee outside the snooty fox. They were all just relaxing in the sunshine and... So, it, yeah, life is coming back to normal. My husband works at the airports and he said that um, the airport obviously is still completely dead, but he said the M25 is just as busy as it's ever been. So people are uh, on the move again. But um, about time we get we get going again because 
I don't know how much longer I can take. I've been such a good girl. I'm not normally a good girl, but I have tried to stick to all of the rules. But I am missing my mom and my sister. And do you know what I mean? I, I, I've been very lucky. I have had, obviously, I've had COVID, but um, uh, I've just been really good. And I haven't really seen anyone. And, and um, I'm missing everyone now. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I miss my sister. Um, I really want to see her and the kids. Also, it's my niece. She's just got engaged. So, <gasps> no like, way! Yeah, like one of the first kids. I was like, what? I saw you. Oh. When you first came out, that's really awful for me, but good for you. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, so she's all planning her wedding. Um, and hopefully it means, because it's for next year, everybody can kind of go, you know, go to it. That'd be really nice. So some nice things are coming out. Um but actually, interestingly enough, you saying that you, you know, going back to when you got COVID and, you know, there's a lot of people who have obviously had it. Some have had it a lot worse than others, but and some people have got through it. But I was talking to somebody the other day who had it and she was saying that um, she's got long COVID now. Um, yeah. And she's physically tired, like all the time. She's a Pilates um, instructor as well, but she was just saying she was exhausted. She tries to do things, but it definitely adds kind of her day um and actually we've got a guest on today who is here to help kind of give some advice actually because I think a lot of people think that they have to throw themselves back into it again where actually the advice you should take the advice kind of given that you shouldn't throw yourself back into it because actually you said you got quite fatigued didn't you um, yeah yeah I didn't have COVID very badly when it actually hit but I hadn't realized until it was over and I was allowed to go back to my life that I was pretty physically fit um, and I still haven't got back to where I was before. So it's very interesting today that we've got a brilliant guest. We've got Tom Astley with us of um, he's a sports physiotherapist in elite women's sports. So he's you're you're sort of one of us, really, Tom, aren't you? (laughs) I sense, yeah, I guess you could say that. (laughs) Um, One of the girls, you know. Thanks, thanks for, for talking having, to us. And thanks for having me on. Appreciate that. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. You know, it's funny you should say about getting back to things after having had COVID. I think I probably had it last March uh, mm. and it put me on my back for a week and it took me a long time to get back to it. But uh, certainly in clinic, we're seeing people who are coming back months after having been away and still getting some symptoms. It's uh, astonishing, really. Yeah. I think because the actual illness can be so mild, people think, well, I haven't had it very badly, therefore it can't have had much of an effect on me. But um, I don't know what you think. I've been reading that if you didn't have it that badly, then you're more likely to have after effects um, in some cases. In some cases, yeah. That women can be more affected by long COVID. I've definitely read about women being more affected um, and with me working in women's elite sport and sort of seeing that uh, potentially being a risk, we, we do a lot of uh, planning with the, the teams to, to implement protocols so it's, it's prevented from becoming long COVID or, or potentially inhibiting their health long term. So, um, I mean, I've had cases not in my, my sports teams, but actually in clinic of people getting sort of heart conditions like pericarditis after having it. And and they weren't even that ill, but yeah. they developed these secondary conditions. So it's sort of why at the worst case, it can be very serious for a long-term 
uh, recovery. So it's sort of why I wanted to come on today and guide people a little bit, give them some advice on how to avoid those things and how to gradually get back to it. Mm. Um, just to talk about you for a minute, I mean, because you uh, you run a physio clinic, you work with others and have, um, you've done some amazing stuff. Kat and I were talking about you and looking at what you do. And we were like, how does this guy even have time to do a podcast? Um, you are so I thought you busy. said, how does this guy have a time to go to the toilet? <laughs> yeah, that's quite true sometimes. I, I may be multitasking on the toilet at times, but, you know, <laughs> that's the modern day thing. Um, I mean, yeah, I've done some great stuff and helped some people along the way, but, you know, it's, it's what I want to do and what I love doing is being a physio. And I sort of fell into women's sport. You know, I'm a man. It's not a typical place for me to end up uh, in a sense and some of these sports I've, I've never played uh, but in a, in a way you know I'm pleased with them there because it's it, it feels good in within the teams and the support network they have and the development of the sports that's coming that I can be part of that and help. Mm. I think because you, you I mean you must have been busy from a young age though because you you've done two qualifications haven't you you did two yeah I've um, pretty much not stopped since I've been at school, it feels like. Although I did go travelling. That was fun. That was I did have some time out. Uh, but you were but the yeah, first did, person in your family as well, weren't you, to go to university? Yeah. It must have been a yeah, big which is, family. It's quite a big thing. I, I went. I wanted to do physio from when I was quite young. Um, and I didn't have the qualifications out of uh, college. So I went and did a sports and exercise science based degree down in Cardiff which actually had a large health influence it was coupled with biomedical sciences and those are all the students which are, don't get into medicine so they're quite intelligent people yeah um, and then when I did that I, I, I still wanted to do physio and I went to do physio as a mature student uh, at 21 <laughs> mature <laughs> but in a sense it, it was good for me to have had that little bit of life experience and then go mm. and do a, a more professional degree mm. what made you want to do physio though what was it about it you know because I didn't well, know what I wanted to do at that age I I sort of knew from a young age that I wanted to either be uh, a lawyer a pilot or a physio and I always wanted to fly fly planes but I never really took the test to do it so Maybe in later life, I'll get around to learn to fly. But uh, when I was young, I had some injuries. I, I loved playing sport. I was never like the first pick on the team, but I loved just going out and running around. So I got injured and I got helped by a physio. And then from there, I was like, right, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be stuck behind a desk. I want to do something active and, and probably help people do what they love. Mm. Sport's something that you're really keen on. You do a lot of different types of sport as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah. I've done loads of different sports. Like at school, I would do triple jump, long jump, high jump. I'd play uh, basketball, football, uh, rugby, cricket. And I just think that there's, I know there's been discussions around kids specialising when they're young into certain sports, but I think growing up, you should just do as much as you can and just get that variety in. And that's kind of stuck now when I'm an adult. So uh, I'll do running, cycling, uh, I love skiing, uh, and then sort of getting a bit, keep fitting, such as gym and weight-based stuff. But over lockdown, gyms were shut, the football got stopped and it was started and it stopped. So... I've really picked up running because it's really convenient and um, I get more out of it in a shorter space of time. So talking about time management, I've I've sort of switched my, my activities up to fit with my schedule. 
yeah. I always feel like being a, a physio, especially in elite women's sports, it's quite a responsibility because it's it's down to you to sort of say, you know, you're clear to get back out there or I'm holding you back. Or do you feel the weight of that when you're dealing with, with someone who is, you know, it's critical, isn't it? I think it is, especially the higher up in sport you go and the more competitive the league is, the more that's at stake. The Olympic sports as well, where they're under pressure to get medals for funding, you get more pressure of that. But it comes down to simply putting objective measures in place, making sure that you're sort of taking the right uh, mitigations of the risk and also being in consultation with the athlete uh, and the person who's at the centre of that and then making a joint decision. It doesn't just come down to me. It comes down to the S&C coaches I work with. It comes down to the head coach. It comes down to the athlete as well. But you're right, I still have to say to them, that person can't train, or that person can do 50% tonight, and then 30 up to 75%. And the, the ultimate question is, always from the athlete, when can I get back on the court? Or when can I get back on the field? And the coach always wants the best people out there. So, yeah, yeah it, is, it is a lot of pressure, but you have to sort of just know when it's right and when it's wrong. And ultimately, it's the health of that person that's most important. So, yeah. Imagine they're not always easy to deal with because they get a bit impatient. Yeah, it's like, how can you fix me quicker? Well, sometimes, sometimes you can't. It's The human body's healing process is what it is. Uh, and you have to go off the healing times of of certain conditions, which can be really frustrating. There are certain things you can put in place to to help recovery from rehab sessions, or if people have come out of surgery, how to get swelling down and, and the inflammatory process down before you you start to go on to the next stage. But ultimately, you have to allow the body that recovery time to get back to the the uh, field or the court in the right condition. Mm. I've just watched, um, I don't know if you've seen it, I've just watched The Game Changers again on, on Netflix. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, I, and the guy who, he's like a crazy little kid and then went on to train the army and like killing techniques and stuff in the forces in America. But were like yeah. took himself out with an injury in, um, um, in professional fighting and then was looking at ways to recover and, you know, looked found that he wanted to recover with the plant-based diet and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just found it really interesting. I'd forgotten all about it, actually. We watched it ages ago when it first came out, Kat, didn't we? But it was just interesting in watching all the different... What do you make of that, that kind of... The, all the different diets and... how? It's, um, it's a difficult one, that, because everyone's different. And the demands yeah. of, of athletes and the reaction to every diet or sort of new behavior or recovery strategy can be really different athlete to athlete so when that documentary come out probably most of our athletes watched it and there was discussion around it I shortly after that received like a two-page pdf rebuttal from a nutritionist who was saying these are all the reasons why that's not applicable to everybody Mm. so it, it it's a very difficult one. The fundamentals of, of diet, from my basic understanding from sports science degree, is that you need to put more in than what you get out if you're an athlete that needs to be performing uh, at a sort of a, a level. And, and we often see that as well, where it's difficult for athletes either to physically get enough food in or 
for social reasons or for psychological reasons as well. And some sometimes those situations arise which are really tricky to deal with. But when it comes down to the athletes, they, they generally need to eat way more than what Joe Public eats. Yeah. And as well as the physical, there's the mental. So um, is it they taking care of their mental health is a responsibility as well? Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because um, one of the common things that people know about more about these days is like uh, the external load that you put on your body. So when you run so many miles, mm-hmm. uh, I feel fatigue. Uh, and if I increase that mileage by too much, I, I'm at risk of getting injured. But what's not or what's difficult to quantify is the a thing called internal load. So it's like stress, hormones, diet, nutrition, sleep. So in terms of trying to help athletes get the best out of their bodies and, and, and people in general who come into clinic, it's looking at those elements as well, which helps them to get more out of their performance or that run that week or, or the event that they've got coming up. So mental health is definitely part of that. And it's something that is taken a lot more seriously in terms of the considerations of holistically of athletes now. Mm. I had a friend who really hurt herself. Um, she really hurt her back and um, she was so afraid of hurting her back again that yeah. the way she was training was actually making it worse. She, that she, you know, she'd taken the rest. She'd started, she, she had to do this, uh, she was doing Pilates and stuff to try and kind of improve mobility and all that kind of stuff. And we carried on training and we always trained together but she got to a point where uh, she went to see her physio and he was like, you're actually making this worse simply because of your, your head. Yeah. You, need, you need to relax your mind because you're, you're overcompensating now and you're actually making yourself much worse. I was like, that really, it was really interesting to me that it was all fear-based basically. A lot um, of it can be. I think 80% of what we do is reassure people. If we can right. tell you, it's okay to do this, then you, you're probably going to be more confident to go and do it. Uh, and that's a big part. We Obviously, as physios, you have to rule out anything that's sinister or needs further investigation. But essentially, if people come to see us and they're sort of in that state where they're like, I don't want to move my back because I'm worried that something's going to happen, it's just trying to reassure them and recontextualise that and then actually get them doing the right stuff so they can show themselves how they can do it and then also build that builds confidence in in their back again mm-hmm. I see that a lot do you? Um, yeah it's amazed me how many times people come in and they're like I've got this back pain I've seen so and so they've told me my back's out of alignment or I shouldn't move more than 20 degrees to the left uh, or my hips are in the wrong place I had a lady come in she was in tears she was Shit, I've been told by X, Y, and Z I've got uh, hip malalignment syndrome. I'm like, what is that? She was like, well, my hips are out of position. I've had a scan. I was like, how much are they out of position? Two millimetres. I was like, two millimetres? You're talking about two mil? And she was literally convinced that she had this syndrome that she's found on Google where it's all malaligned, and that was her for life. She was never going to get rid of her back pain. Oh, my goodness. I know, and it sometimes healthcare professionals can be meaning well like this is what we can see and and this is wrong and that's wrong but actually telling a patient who's really scared of that condition and and situation 
that they've got all these things wrong doesn't help. Yeah. So it, it can work both ways. So it, it, like language and communication in, a, in healthcare is really important. Mm-hmm. It's scary, uh, isn't it, when people go online to Google and try and, you know, diagnose themselves with something. Yeah. Um, you know, what they come up with, it's just like, where the hell did you get that from, <laughs> Jimmy? Yeah, and it, it's all the worst stuff on Google. Yeah, um, I often ask in my consultations, what did, what do you think it is that's causing this, or what what is it that Google has told you? Because people will literally say the craziest things. Yeah, I think so, it's so um, dangerous as a tool, though, isn't it? Sorry, just to go back to the Google thing, because people will put in bad back pain and all these keywords, and suddenly something that will just jumble into the machine, and then something will be spat back at them. Yeah, it's always like cancer of the spine or or really bad stuff you know tb of the spine you like <laughs> it really just comes down to actually if you see the right person and they rule out the red flags the actual percentage chance of you having a sinister pathology with your back something that requires hospitalization is less than one percent wow but you know yeah. we still have to clear and check people but it's it's it, it's the the information that's out there that people read and then it just feeds into their worries. Yeah, yeah. it's a clear message. Just please don't go and Google anything. Yeah. You've got an ailment or a pain or something, please just go and phone the right person. Yeah. It's just, you know, so much better. You won't waste time. You won't, you know, you'll get better quicker. You know, it's just such a waste of time to think that, I think sometimes people think their phone, Google or anything is just going to solve all their problems. And it really is. Yeah. I think Google's great for finding directions to the GP or to the physio. <laughs> you know, that's fine. But yeah. sort of trying to remedy your issues using Google, you know, it's, 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 it's like me trying to build a car from all the different parts and using Google video to do it. It's, <laughs> the car's going to not be great. <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. So um, on to um, COVID then. Um, after I had COVID, um, I used to do all these classes like boot camp classes and uh, um, just all kinds of stuff I was into um, when we were allowed to go to the gym. Um, and I would go in there and have absolutely no problems. But at the time I had it in um, October and we were locked down and then um, gyms opened and then classes started again. And um, I could barely walk my dogs. I like like walk up a hill and I felt like a 90, I felt like my granny, I would stop and I'd have to like take a few breaths. And then I gradually got a little bit better, but then um, I tried classes again not a hope um and it was actually really embarrassing because I wanted so badly to be able to do what I used to be able to do and I couldn't even do half of what I used to do but I felt like I hadn't been that badly affected during the actual time when I was ill afterwards everybody else in the house got better really quickly we all had it the kids were fine my husband was fine but mine just went on and on and on for ages um but it was almost like I didn't want to be beaten by it so I was pushing myself really hard clearly that was the wrong thing to do right yeah I think there's clear guidance which is out there so there's uh, articles which were produced by the British Journal of Sports Medicine uh, and they really are aimed at athletes, but I think they're really applicable to everybody. And right. they've got diff- they've got different stages uh, of activity. So 
stage one is like walk in and rest predominantly for like 10 days. And then stage two is heart rate maximum 70%, less than 15 minutes of activity. And the aim is just to get the heart rate up a little bit. And then stage three A, three B is more about increasing the heart rate a little bit more and more time and some coordination. Whereas if you think about going back to a class that's 45 minutes, half an hour, mm. when you've had a respiratory-based illness, then trying to get back to that class, even if you had a two-week holiday, would be quite tricky. Yeah. But then throw on top of that a few weeks, few months off, and the respiratory-based illness, and then the demands on the heart and the respiratory condition, the respiratory system all around, it really can mount up. So it's not surprising that it can be difficult to get back to where you are after sort of that that illness of, of COVID-19. Um, and we, from the, the British Journal of Sports Medicine, they're looking at earliest stage return to stage five, which is normal training progressions, is, is 17 days. And that's if you've had it mild and been able to sort of get away with uh, not not being so affected when you get back to your activities. And I can share that link about the um, what, what the different stages are because everyone's got like a heart rate monitor on their wrist usually these days or on their phone. So a lot of these protocols are easy to follow. Uh, and obviously medical advice should be seek if you, if you think it's, if things aren't right. And then your GP or uh, a doctor can refer you for anything that's needed like ECGs or echoes or respiratory function or blood tests. But I think generally most people are just trying to go back a little bit too quick. Yeah. Um, and needs that more graded approach. Yeah, that's pretty typical of people though, isn't it? They need to just get back on it and we can't be taking yeah. too long. But this is not like having the flu for some people. This is actually a lot of healing needs to go on inside, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, not just in the lungs, the heart, the secondary conditions that can occur from it and then getting the muscles back up to function so they can optimize the oxygen that's around the body uh, without overworking the heart which then could create secondary problems so um, it's it's a tricky condition and and the thing about it is we don't fully know all the implications from having had it at the moment so it, it, it is sort of a, a work in progress and more research will come out as the months go on and the weeks go on yeah, I think the danger is that people like me. I, I I thought, God, that you know, that wasn't that wasn't too terrible. But um, so I kept thinking, there must be something else wrong with me. I'm just I'm just unfit, um, yeah. and I've just lost my fitness. But then I started to realise this is more than that. But because the illness had been fairly mild, um, I just was like unconvinced by it but now I can definitely see that that's what it was so I think you know if you if I'd been hospitalized or something like that I would have been more convinced by the fact that I was really battling with this but it's a real wake-up for people that you know you may only have had really mild symptoms but there's still been so much damage inside your body that it's really worn you out more than you think it has we're sort of in elite sport because the health of the athlete is pinnacle even if athletes are asymptomatic they still go on the return to play protocol. Oh, right. So that's how serious it's been taken. And I think, again, general public probably won't have that information access. And no. they'll think, I'm positive, but I haven't got the symptoms. Uh, when I get out of lockdown or my quarantine, I'll just go back to what I'm doing. 
Yeah. But this, you know, that that virus is still in your body. It just and it can still affect it. So it's really important to take that seriously mm. on that return. And I guess it's still something we we know so little about. It's a fairly, you know, it's it's we're still working out so much about this thing's come in so fast and it's it's like an alien illness isn't it it's just yeah it's it's scary how quick it progressed and 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 sort of spread in a sense but i i believe we are getting on top of things i I must admit the the vaccination programs i believe is helping and the distancing is helping and then all the stuff in in between is catching up but the long covid stuff i've got patients who are suffering with it and sort of don't really know why so we're just trying to reassure them find ways they can do bits of exercise and and build stuff back up right Right. the other thing I think um just looking at um lockdown actually I was just thinking is that um so many people started running didn't they for the first time in lockdown and doing exercise it was the time I said you could go out and suddenly people who had never run since they're about 10 started just running in regular shoes you know just all this kind of yeah. stuff and did you see an, <laughs> you know did you see an increase in clients through all of that we have seen it's probably been our busiest time uh <laughs> since i've opened the clinics and it it's what i've described as uh it's like a perfect storm of a situation whereby you get people that of changing activities you're getting more people based at home so they lose their commute to work and those little micro movements in the day where they're getting up to have meetings around the office and go and get a coffee and come back you've got uh, people uh, who are trying to access nhs based services which at times have probably been the staff from there have been reallocated to look at after covid patients uh, the government was also taken over at times uh, private operating theatres for their need for COVID reasons. So then you get a backlog of orthopedics, and then that goes in waves through the through the year. And we have been pretty much overwhelmed with appointment needs, and obviously we've had to put in lots of procedures to make sure people are safe to come into clinic. But we've been so busy; it's been mm. crazy. Um, good for you though <laughs> yeah it's good it's good for me like you said make sure I don't burn out is important and the staff mm. the, make sure the staff at the clinic are safe and you know we look after our patients but yeah it's, um, it's been good it's been good I wanted to ask you actually because I joined one of your live chats on social media where you were talking about yes. like shoes to wear and I I took your advice and at, for Christmas I asked for a pair of the right running shoes new balance ones and I have to say, you know, because I wasn't, um, I did the whole 0 to 5K thing because I do like strength training and other bits, but running was a bit psychological for me. And um, I think because I got told when I was younger, you can't run. I then told myself I couldn't. And then I had a fear about running. But I decided then in lockdown right now, I'm going to change that. And so I've managed it, but I've done it quite carefully. Um, and I've, and I got the shoes that you recommended. And actually they've been amazing it's a bit like running on air um and it does make all the difference so I went back to put on a pair of my old trainers and it just there's there is no hold for my ankle or anything in my old trainers so you know like it really does it really does count to wear the right shoes doesn't it yeah I think shoes are a big thing at the minute there's lots out there there's lots of marketing around it they're sticking carbon plates in them 
for like elite runners, but the technology advances in them mean that it's more comfortable to run, run longer distance, and then use the shoes even day to day. So I think finding the right shoe is a bit of an art. There are some there are some scientific things behind it, but most people will just buy what they like the look of or what they know has worked in the past. So I tend to tell people when they find the right shoe, just stick with it. And then inevitably what happens is that the manufacturers stop making the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> they, change, they change the models, so then they have to find somebody else uh, with those. But, yeah, I think the right shoe is important. Yeah. yeah, I think it's great that everybody's been doing exercise, but you have got to do it in the right way because I do know people now have got, like, bad knees lower back issues you know all of that kind of stuff so it's important to say to people isn't it that you there, there is a bit of a technique you have to think about running isn't just running all the time is it no I, I try to get people to do one or two strength sessions a week to help supplement the running to limit their injury risk and also to uh, help with their performance and most runners to try and get them to stop running once in order to do one or two strength sessions they don't all see the benefit. So we have to have those discussions firstly. Uh, and then technique is another factor, uh, but that's more when you get into the bigger mileage and t- trying to help with performance. You start looking at technique and movement. Yeah, it's funny. I've got um, at my gym, there's a, one of the trainers is a, an Ironman. Um, he's done loads of events. And then some of the others are more like sort of weightlifting. And there's a bit of a kind of, you know, he's like oh they couldn't run for a he's they can run for a bloody bus and yeah. you know, he's more like he's like stamina stamina and they wouldn't take the time out to, to run they'd see that as a waste of time they just want to keep the muscles kind of thing and it's funny when you've got your your thing that gives you your buzz you're like because people keep saying to me oh you should really try pilates but i'm like i really i want to feel that i want to sweat but yeah. i know i do it but you kind of have your thing that you you, you want to do don't you but you've really got to be rounded haven't you with all of yeah. I think like Kat said if you find something that you, you're driven to do and it gives you that opportunity to get out and do something that's what go and do it uh, mm. and my my job effectively is to keep people as active safely as possible and when they come into clinic that's what I want to do. I don't want to stop people running unless I absolutely have to, mm. uh, because that has a big knock-on effect when people can't go and run or do their class that they enjoy. You know, so psychologically, it can be a big impact as well. Mm. How about you? What are your? Uh, how do you take care of yourself? What do you? Um, to- I run two or three times a week. I go out. Uh, I've set up a cycling club on my street as in like the five or six of us who got bikes and oh. I met my neighbor and he introduced me to someone else. So we've got like a little WhatsApp group for cycling. So we'll, you know, when we're allowed, we go out in a small group, three or four, just do some kilometers. Um, we've, set, we've got running group as well. So again, a few of the neighbors run. So it's for me, I can't do exercise on my own. Yeah. I'm, I'm a team sports player, but if you want me to go and run, I'll sometimes do it alone, but I'll, I'd much rather go with someone else. I can have a little chat. We can do a bit running. You know, that'll push me a bit harder. And then sometimes I just like to sit down and read or listen to music or do a bit of yoga and stuff like that. So yeah. it's just finding the right balance at the right time. Yeah. Do you do um, yoga over Pilates then? Or, yeah, I do. I do at the minute. I, I, 
I really like yoga. A nice, slow, easy yoga is a good way for me to just to calm everything down and get a bit of time and space. Don't get me wrong, I'm not like a full-on yogi doing so many hours a week, uh, and that's my only thing. I just, I just find it good movement and it's good strength-based stuff through range. Um, there's some good people out there doing uh, strength and conditioning yoga for runners. So I don't know if you guys have heard of Carla Molinaro. She ran Land's End to John O'Groats. No. Fastest, fastest known time for a woman. She completed Land's End to John O'Groats in 10 days. Oh, my gosh. And uh, she's like, I don't know, she's just on a different level with her psychological strength to be able to run all those kilometres. But mm. she she is a run coach and she does uh, strength and conditioning and yoga for runners. So. I recommend a lot of my patients join a little group, it's only a tenner a month, and she guides them through some good yoga positions for strength work for runners. Oh, I'm going to look her up. I well, love what great. you just said about her mind, actually, because it is that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's completely that. When you go over a certain point, your body stops functioning optimally. So I think in running, it might be around three hours, like so that marathon time. So the next bit is pure grit it's mental toughness it's being able to do that when the pain in your legs is screaming at you Uh, and for me I was I could play football for 90 minutes I could play five games of football in three days but running 5k when I first started was like the hardest thing in the world so when I started last March it was like my brain was screaming stop what are you doing why are you running around the field (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's taken best part of a year to get that better at that and now I'm less likely to do that unless something's oh, I don't feel great in myself but you know running's a real physical and mental challenge yeah um, I find it very hard the fact that you said you'd rather go so you can have a little chat I'm I'm not talking to anyone when I'm running <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's everyone I'm not amazing at it but uh, I'd, I'd like to have a little chat when I get a chance I, I'm not amazing at it either but I love it a bit more now than I used to um because I ran completely wrong <laughs> I discovered I'd, I was really uptight you know like everything was really tight when I ran my stomach was in I was like <laughs> and then by about <laughs> 10 minutes in I was like oh, that's too much <laughs> and, then I, my, and when I ran with the trainer she was like what are you doing I just understand why are you so uptight I was like because this is what we're supposed to do she's like can you just relax your stomach your legs your arms and then just run I was like oh and that was the big difference but that took me 45 minutes <laughs> it's funny isn't it everyone has this preconceived idea of what a runner should do and look like and I see this in clinic, people come in and I'm like, I'm not a real runner. I'm like, how do you know? They're like, who's looking? When I go running, no one's looking at me. Mm. I just run. school though. When you're at school and you're told you're rubbish at sport, <laughs> you're in your adulthood because then you tell yourself, I am rubbish at sport. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it can be. But again, if you can, a lot of that is, comes down to, do you just enjoy it or do you need to look? good or in a specific technique to be able to perform it there's not a one set way to run everyone can run however they like there's um i think it's mary katani um i think she's a kenyan athlete she has the worst running style in the world 
She has yeah. egg, egg beater legs coming out to the side, but she'll she run under friend. three hours in a marathon. Yeah. She's an amazing runner. If she came into my clinic, I wouldn't be telling her to change a run in. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you keep going, you're doing well. <laughs> so, it's yeah. true, actually, yeah. Loads, loads of examples like that. Yeah, that's true. See, Kat, you're all right. Well, that's how Liberty runs. You run like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, yeah, no, it is, it is good. And I do think, like, I know so many people now who do do running um, much more. I mean, my my husband, he runs every day on a treadmill because that's what he's, he's, he loves his structure. He's sort of robotic in it, but he will do it seven days a week. Every single day he'll do it, you know, like, um, but that's just his thing. And I'm, I'm a bit like you, I'm kind of like, he likes doing that moment by himself. I think that's where he thinks and it's all, you know, whereas he's like, come on then. I was like, I want to chat to somebody. I want to do something. I don't like doing stuff by myself. But not like I don't like doing stuff by myself. But I, I, I want it to be more social. I think. Um, so that's interesting what you say actually, because I often think that people, you know, there's something wrong with me that I need to sort of go side by side with someone for a workout. I think uh, it's fun. Everyone's got different sort of perceptions on what's their ideal type of exercise you know like do they like working out alone do they like hit classes do they like pilates yoga and for me i like to be with somebody else having a chat when i can being outside and then i always have to have coffee and cake after Aww. that is the key <laughs> balance. yeah balance is absolute ultimate balance right it's basically rather than on strava they've got how many calories is that? I'd rather they say that. How much cake is that? Or how much coffee <laughs> is that? Just like a transition to reality. Like a scale. Yeah. You can have a whole cake. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like half <laughs> a cheesecake. Oh, cheesecake. Yeah, that's good. Uh, um, so we've just been told today, obviously, that we can't go on holiday for a bit longer. It's been extended out to what the end of June potentially um but you you've gone and fixed that because you've bought yourself a mobile holiday haven't you yeah we uh we've got a camper van yeah i've wanted one for years and um i've got a few friends who've got vans different different conditions or different types so the plan is just to get away when possible when i'm not working weekends away uh, long holidays or camps you know with friends down in different various Cornwall Devon sites or oh, yeah it's really Cornwall and Devon because there's not going to be anywhere to be able to stay is there everybody books exactly out, exactly I think it's the smartest thing I've done in a while other than asking my other half to uh, marry me but you know oh, sort of uh, <laughs> uh, yeah she's, uh, she's got she's got the cattle prod ready to the side here so I had to say that <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, it's um, it's gonna be exciting. I, I can't wait. Hopefully if we can get over to France as well at some point. Maybe. Oh, sounds so lovely. Um my friend's got a camper van, like a really, really, really old one that yeah, uh, yeah. 
is just so beautiful. And every time, she, every summer she goes down to Cornwall, but it just makes it through its MOT and she gets the dogs in and her kids and off she goes. And uh, we're always so jealous. And then, and then we've just found out we wanted to go and see Granny, and they said you can go and see people from this date, but it has to be self-catered. And so we were like, "Oh, we'll get caravans and we'll sleep on your driveway." And she was like, "You'll do no such thing." And then uh, this would be the ideal solution, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. You can. Well, your oyster. You can. Um, they give you a lot of freedom, and I love that. Um, being able to like adventure about, but you can hire them as well. You know, there's there's apps out there where you can hire them direct from people who've got them sitting on their drive. Ooh. So there's a app called Yes Kappa, which we've we've used in the past. So really recommend having a look at that if you're looking for an alternative way to get about the summer. So there you go, yeah. Liberty. You can sleep on Granny's driveway now. Yeah. There you go. She can't get rid of me that easily. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I don't think uh, my friend in Cornwall who lives in Cornwall, she's got a camper van. Um, I, I think I need a Winnie Bago, a big one. I need a big bit more space. <laughs> and also, I think I've watched so much Netflix in lockdown that um, I think that's how you're supposed to travel because <laughs> I've watched so much American TV and everybody's got one in American um, TV, haven't they? It's um, trying to fit, fit them down the little country lanes in Cornwall. That's the issue. Yeah, can you it's imagine? Safe, but- that's where you find all the gems. Oh, God. <laughs> They'd hate you, all the locals, cat. Well, yeah, but who cares? You'd be like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> you hate me that much. <laughs> so what have you, What are your plans next? How is the clinic going? Are you making any changes and you're welcoming um, your sports teams back and everything? Well, we're currently in the middle of expanding up to Highgate we've opened the Highgate clinic in the last few weeks so we've started uh, some clinic days up there uh, we're based in a small yoga studio I say small actually it's got two big studios so it, it's uh, state yoga up in Highgate village so that's the next steps is just to get that busy and build it up uh, I'm currently working with London Pulse Netball so we're in the season we're about a quarter of the way through the season and uh, competing nationally for that, uh, the Vitality National Super League. And then we're starting to be allowed to have lacrosse camps or the, the tr- training weekends come back. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to get busy over the next few months. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's all quite good at the minute. Yeah. Oof, lacrosse, that is a, that is a full-on sport. I knew nothing about it when I agreed to do it, but it's really a, a good sport. It's um, it's it's only really played in a, a lot of sort of like private schools, but yeah. at the same time, it's very demanding sport, particularly when it's played at the highest level at the pace they play at. Oh my god, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good. The, the, what's interesting is that they're trying to unify the codes between men's and women's because they're currently quite different. Uh, games like men's is fully padded up and contact and a different pouch on the stick so they're trying to get the women's and the men's code to be sort of the same which would make it the same sport Uh, but the women's game in lacrosse is very technical very fast uh, and demanding it's good 
Yeah, I haven't seen that much of it, and I haven't seen it for years, actually. So I might have to take a look at, at it um, after this conversation. Um, we asked you a fun question, actually. You know, what three things would you take with you on a desert island, and why? <laughs> yeah. What did I say? I said uh, a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Because that's got everything on it that is needed, including a bottle opener, just in mm. case you find that mystical crate of port or wine that floats onto the island. It's I rum. Said, yeah, rum. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else did I say? I said a water bottle just so I can stay hydrated and. I would probably set some water traps just to make sure I'm not going to die of uh, thirst. <laughs> and then what was my third one? Um, what did I say? Pillow. Oh, yeah, pillow, yeah. I'm, I'm really good You've at sleeping. like a special but... pillow. No, no, just a pillow off my bed. Just like, oh, so get my head, somebody, get my head um, down. Somebody we were talking to the other week had a scream pillow. So I, I sometimes think that people have maybe some kind of magical pillow that helps them out now. Just a oh, pillow a I thought you said a scream pillow, but you said a scream. It, yeah. Her pillow for screaming in. That was brilliant. Yeah. Twisty yeah, quite nice having a, a little bit of a vacation on a desert island. <laughs> I know. I'd take it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. God, that would be so nice now. So just That's a lasting it. leaving something for the people who are listening, you know, like um, what tools can they take from you? You know, what advice would you give to people who are out running and exercising at the moment? If they could take some tools from this conversation, what tool would you leave them with? I would say uh, don't beat yourself up about not being a runner. You are a runner. If you can run and run some kilometres, you are a runner. Don't try and compare yourself to other people, mm. number one. Number two, I would say we all look at how much miles or speed we do, but sometimes that gets affected by how you're feeling and what else is going on in your life. So don't neglect all that because that can have a negative or positive impact on how your your performance in running is. Um, and I would say strength is good for runners really don't neglect being strong you're not going to come out of a gym or a weight session being the size of a weightlifter and not be able to run by doing it once or twice a week it will only serve to help you if you build it correctly yeah that's really important isn't it because a lot of people mm-hmm. do yeah. that they choose one or the other yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's <laughs> coming from a lot of research bases showing good evidence behind it and yeah, I just think it's important most runners do a strength-based program as well. Mm-hmm. And if people want to find you and ask your advice, where can they find you? Um, if they need our professional advice, they can book in to come and see us at clinic. Um, website is www.taphysio.co.uk. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at TA Physio or on Facebook at TA Physio One. So, yeah, we're across all the social media platforms. I haven't gotten to Clubhouse yet. I haven't got a clue what that's about. But Oh, yeah, it's all right, Clubhouse. That's more of a talking platform. Um, it's a bit like pretending that you're in a like a, in a stage presence and then you can go up on the stage and talk and stuff. So, okay. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. It's good if you want to sort of connect with a lot more people and all of that kind of stuff it, so. if I find time I might have a look at it but. it does kind of I, I must admit I joined and I was like oh it's not another one this is a bit boring now <laughs> but um, I think it's useful people find it useful to connect and you know and if that's what they want to do it's pretty good for that 
But Tom, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. That's um, all right. And I think you've given us so much food for thought, actually, especially for uh, the people who've gone through COVID and, you know, really need a bit of a telling off not to rush back into things. And of course, if they want to talk to you about that a bit more, they can get in touch with you. Um, but thanks for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Thank you both for having me. Appreciate that. Pleasure. And congratulations to you and Sadie. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Enjoy the camper. Well do.